Well, welcome in to another edition of the Remnant Leadership Podcast. My name is Larry Raglan. I am your host. And this is a podcast where we come to you and we talk to remnant leaders about the moment that we're in, like the sons of Issachar that was able to discern the times. We believe that everybody that's listening to this podcast sees himself as a remnant rising leader. And for this moment, we need to be able to identify what is going on around us to be a voice and not an echo. So my desire is my endeavor is to come on this podcast and speak to you boldly and speak to you plainly about what it means to be a remnant leader in this moment. I believe it's the greatest time to be alive. It's the greatest time to be a leader in any way, shape or form. So without further ado, let's get into this particular episode of the remnant leadership podcast. And quickly, if you have not already clicked the follow on the podcast on your app, please do that. And uh, do the automatic download that helps us. And more than anything, ever how you can do it on the app that you have chosen to listen to uh, this podcast on, give us a five-star and then give us an actual review. Because what that does is that helps us get in front of people. So I want to talk to you about that. I'm sure the title is uh, very controversial to you. And I wanted to get on here just to see if you could label me as a heretic. But the title is Jesus Was Not Born a Leader. Jesus was not born a leader. I could say it this way. Jesus was not a born leader. And I want to very quickly just get right to it before you check out on me. Uh, I want to let you know that we understand that we're talking about leadership here. We're not talking about God. We're not talking about divinity. We're not talking about perfect. We're not talking about king of king and lord of lords. We're not talking about creator of the universe. This is a leadership podcast, and I want to tell you that I want to explain to you, if you'll just give me just a couple of minutes, I'll get to it and quickly uh, help you understand my point and then explain it a little bit further. When you study leadership, you find out that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Uh, the absolute um, expert on leadership in our generation is, of course, Dr. John Maxwell, that's where I get that definition of leadership, and I believe it's a good definition of leadership, that it is influence. And he has the funny thing that he says after that that really drives it home. If you think you're a leader, look behind you. If, if no one is following you, then you're simply taking a walk. So that's a perfect illustration of, you know, just because you think you're a leader, just because you have a title, just because somebody told you that you was a leader doesn't make you a leader. Because if you are a leader, that means you are influencing uh, people. Now that doesn't mean that you have great influence over hundreds, if not thousands of people. It could be one person. It could be your spouse. It could be your child. It could be your coworker, but everybody that's called by God, that's anointed by God and is trying to lead, uh, the example that God has called us to lead. I promise you, you have influence with somebody. You have more influence than you think that you do. So with the working definition of leadership being influence, nothing more, nothing less, let's quickly talk about what I'm saying about Jesus. Now, of course, Jesus is, was, and is the greatest example of a leader that any human being has ever been. We absolutely need in every facet to follow the leadership example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But what I want you to do, so the next few moments to just sort of think of it this way. Uh, I've got a thing that I've been saying for years, and it goes like this. You know, when Jesus did his ministry, 
and he carried out the things here on this earth that we have in our Bible, all the things that we have about the ministry of Jesus. Now, some of you may not agree with this, but this, I absolutely believe that this is biblical fact is that Jesus did not do anything during those three and a half years of ministry as God who happened to be man, even though that's the truth, even though he is, was absolutely in every aspect, even in the womb of Mary, God, 100%. When he walked here on this earth and when he operated here on this earth, he did not walk and operate as God, even though he was not ashamed to make to proclaim himself to be God, to be equal with the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. All of these things that you hear before Abraham was, I am. These were very emphatic statements that, you know, I am the Messiah, I'm the Son of God, and I am God. But watch this. The things that he did in here on this earth when it involved his disciples, when it involved the crowds, the masses, the healings, the miracles, the sermons, the teachings, the way he carried himself, he did not do any of that as God who happened to be man. He did all of it as man who happened to be God. Now, I want to say that again. He did it as man who happened to be God. It's very important for you not to push back on that and, and grasp that because that's what you want. Okay, trust me. You, you as a child of God, and then t- talking to leaders here, you certainly want that. And you want that to be the truth because you do you don't want God to do the things that you've read in Scripture as God who happened to be man. Now that being said, I'm not talking about uh, being born of a virgin, and I'm not talking about living a sinless life and dying on the cross, shedding His blood for our sins, taking stripes upon His back for our healing, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Of course, all of those things are things that God did. Those were not set aside and and appointed uh, and, quite frankly, impossible for the regular human being to do. I'm not negating that those were God acts. I'm talking about everything from the birth of Christ when he was born as a baby. He had to learn how to talk. He had to learn how to eat. He had to learn how to crawl and walk, and that just blows my mind to even say that, but that's the case. And then he grew up for 30 years. He was sort of in seclusion. He was only known as the son of Joseph. He was only known as the carpenter's boy. And then later on, we don't know at what time it was, but at some point, his earthly father, which was not his actual biological father, as you know, uh, passes away. And Mary's still alive. But at some point throughout his young adult life, his earthly father, Joseph, passes away. And, of course, it implies at the very least that he took over the business of carpentry because later on when he began his ministry, they the religious people mocked him and said, is this not the carpenter, the son of the carpenter? Is this not Jesus of Nazareth? Has anything good ever come out of Nazareth? So when we see Jesus uh, for 30 years sort of in, not seclusion, but just off the radar, you know, he's not operating as Messiah whatsoever. And of course there's a uh, Levitical uh, reason for that because, you know, he did not come to destroy the law, but rather to, to fulfill the law is what he said. So in the law, it was at age 30 is when a man could become a priest. Well, that's when he began his ministry at age 30 because he is our high priest. He is the final priest of the old Testament and carried into the new Testament. 
So all that being said, the title of this podcast is that Jesus was not born a leader or was not a born leader. And what I mean by that is if leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less, we don't see Jesus with a lot of influence at age 30. In fact, he don't hardly have any influence at age 30. Uh, He has influence with his mother, and quite frankly, his mother influences him. We see that. But he's not known as uh, a famous person. He is known, certainly he's known because, you know, the Bible says that right after he was baptized by his cousin John, he walked straight into the temple unobstructed, uh, meaning that he had probably done that many times before, found the place in Isaiah where it was written, and, of course, proclaimed himself to be the Messiah from the Messianic prophecy of, of, of Isaiah. So we know that he was known, but he was not respected as a leader. Um, and quite frankly, you know, when it comes to the religious people uh, that were in power, he was not respected as a leader even in the end. He ended up being respected greatly by the masses, the sinners, the lost, the hurting, the, the sick, and those that were not of the elite and those that were not in, in the high ups for the most part, some even became believers and uh, followed his influence. But when Jesus began his ministry, he was just sitting, quite frankly, back in the corner at a wedding. And uh, and if you remember when the wine ran out, um, you know, they, his mother was the one that looked at him and said, hey, son, you need to do something. And he's like, it is not my time uh, to do anything right now, uh, Mary, mama. He didn't call her Mary, by no means mama. And uh, listen, she said, "You need to do something." When I'm, you know, I'm not going to be embarrassed here. And then they came over to Mary, and then Mary said, "Whatever he says to do, you do it." And uh, so that sort of catapulted him into the ministry. He's just sitting over in the corner at a wedding. Nobody even knows who he is, but that catapults him uh, into the ministry. And then, of course, very soon after that, he's baptized by John, and and um, and then calls his disciples, picks them out. But all that being said, at that time, you know. You know, he's walking along the Sea of Galilee and just looking out there, and Peter probably saw him a few times before, but he didn't stop his boat, anchor his boat down and go, oh, look, there comes Jesus. No, he was just this guy that he had seen before. But on that day, something seemed different because he spoke with authority. He spoke. He had an anointing on him. He spoke with authority. So that being said, I, I want to remind you one more time, you know, that the Bible, when I was referring to in Mark chapter 6, where it says, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? So by the time he had a very big family of half-brothers and sisters, he was just considered to be one of them. And the Bible says they were offended at him when he spoke with authority. They were offended at him because he didn't have influence over them. And, of course, that's when he said, um, this is Mark chapter 6, you know, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country among his own relatives. And that was, you know, a little bit into his ministry when that scripture is recorded. But I'm bringing that out to show you that early on in his ministry, he didn't really have a lot of influence. He didn't really have a lot of respect. And, you know, in the heavenlies, in the spirit realm, my God, he did. But let me let me just go a little bit further into this to help some of you. Uh, as I said, Jesus is the greatest leader to have ever lived. No one has ever influenced anything, anyone, any any period, anything period like Jesus. He literally changed the world. Uh, when he, you know, when they 
because of what he did at the end through the power of the resurrection and and a church being established that has now survived over 2,000 years and is still growing all over the world. Uh, you know, it was so significant at that time that literally they stopped time and started recounting time. That's how we have the year that we're in now is based on the estimated birth of Christ. He stopped time and started over. But I want you to think about this. Jesus lived to be somewhere between 33 to 33 and a half years old. He didn't make it to 34. So somewhere in that 33rd year, most believe right around halfway through that year, is when he was crucified, resurrected, and ascended to heaven. So it's it's natural for you to think, you know, in 33 years, look what one man did. Well, it wasn't 33 years. As I just said, for 30 years, people didn't even really know who he was. You know, there was John the Baptist, his cousin. There was Elizabeth, his aunt. You know, of course, there was Mary and Joseph. And there might have been a few others that they confided in. There could have been a handful of people that knew of the messianic proclamations of the angels and, and all of that, but not many people. Not many people at all. Most people did not understand who he was. So he really changed the world in three and a half years. Three and a half years, y'all. Roughly three years, the entire civilization, humanity as we know it, was changed, shifted, turned upside down by, watch this, the influence of a man walking this earth. I understand 100% fully. He is and was God. But remember, I truly believe, and in this teaching, if you bear with me, and I think it will make sense to you, he walked this earth as a man with integrity, with perfection, who happened to be God. So just in just a little over three years, uh, it was life-changing. It was world-changing. It was generational-changing. It was, it was civilization-changing. So... Watch this. When, when he began his ministry, he had such little influence. Think about this. John the Baptist had more influence than Jesus. His cousin had so much influence that, you know, people were flocking by the thousands to the River Jordan to be, to be baptized by him. But even more than that, uh, Herod and the, the people in the high ups of the Roman Empire, the people in the high ups of the Jewish uh, synagogue in the in the Levitical hierarchy, they all knew who John the Baptist was. They didn't like his message, you know. Just because uh, influence, when you have influence with somebody, that don't mean that they agree with you, and that don't mean that they like you. Many times, when you have influence, you'll have more haters than you will have uh, people that believe in you. So, you know, he has influence with even with his haters. Well, he was very well known. John the Baptist was more known than Jesus. Here's how I know that. Jesus was able to slip into the banks of of the Jordan River. Jesus, the, the King of kings and Lord of lords that changed everything. Jesus was able to stand on the shores, come down the, the bank and stand on the shores of the Jordan River while John the Baptist's cousin were baptizing everybody. And there's no record of anybody making a big deal about Jesus even being there. In fact, the reason it we even know that story, that he was even there, was because he did have influence with his cousin. His cousin, he had influence with his cousin because all his life he had been told by his family, and I'm sure Jesus and him talked about it, 
is that he was called, he was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb, Elizabeth's womb, and he was called the the uh, the the one that would cry out in the wilderness, the forerunner. He was Elijah. He was walking under Elijah's mantle. He was crying in the wilderness. He was preparing the way for the Messiah. He knew his role. When he was baptized, he would say, there's one coming after me whose shoes I am not worthy to even, un- uh, the sandals are not even worthy to unloosen. I, am bapt- I baptize you with water into repentance, but he's going to be baptizing you in Holy Ghost and fire. Well, he had seen Jesus many times before. He had been raised with his cousin. But that day he saw Jesus, who had very little influence at that time, standing on the bank. Nobody even really knew the significance of who he was. But that day, that lifelong influence, that in, in private, in, in, in subtle conversations from his mother and, and uh, his father and others, telling him about his cousin or certainly just telling him about the coming Messiah, something clicked that day and he looked up and Jesus looked completely different. There was something on him that day. It was time for Jesus to be elevated. And that's when John the Baptist, what's the power of influence? It took that influence of John the Baptist. Now hear me out to launch the ministry of Jesus because John the Baptist had so much influence. It was important for Jesus to be baptized by him. Now it was important for Jesus to be baptized by him because that's the procedure that he would tell us that he would want us to do as well. Uh, and it was also a sign of humility. There's just all kinds of things that uh, for another podcast to talk about the power of baptism. But one of the reasons that Jesus was there was because in the world uh, that was outside of the legalistic um, Judeo Levitical hierarchy, the, on the grounds, uh, uh, in the hood, on the uh, in in the neighborhood, you know, the people that were you know living for the Lord on their own, there was no greater voice of influence than John the Baptist, and and John the Baptist knew that, so he looked up and he sees his cousin Jesus, and this is what he says: "Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world." He used his influence to publicly proclaim out of the water and that sound would go across that water and echo all the way up the side of that mountain and everybody that was there because of John the Baptist's influence all turned and looked at Jesus and that's the power of influence they all looked at Jesus and then they watched Jesus humbly walk into that water and walk straight up to his cousin and be to be baptized now watch this watch how the influence that maybe he didn't have on all the other people there, but he had great influence over the life of his cousin because his whole life, John the Baptist's whole life had been driven towards this moment. And at that moment, even if he had had doubts about his cousin, you know, because he didn't really see much happening in his life, and that moment he had no more doubts. He looked at his cousin Jesus and he said, no, 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 you need to baptize me. There was a shift of influence right there. He understood that later on, John the Baptist would illustrate it this way. I must decrease. He must increase. Jesus said, no, John, it has to be done. It has to be done this way. Why? Why? I want you to think about this because Jesus knew he was beginning his ministry. He knew that the influence that was on John, the anointing, 
the mantle, but the influence that was on John was about to be publicly transferred to him. And in one moment, even though he was Jesus, even though he was God, the man, Christ Jesus, had been affirmed and had been established by the most influential man in all of the belief system of that, that world outside of organized religion uh, in the temple. And, and when he baptized Jesus, and Jesus came up out of the water, the voice came out of heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the, and the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove came on him. And the Bible says he came out of that water, went straight, watch this, went straight in to the wilderness and fought the devil face to face. Let me tell you something. The greatest people in the body of Christ that have influence is the people that have fought the devil. The people that can tell the story about how it was almost all gone, how they, how they almost lost everything, how they were, they were in a wilderness. They were hungry. They were thirsty. No one was there to help them. But God brought them through that wilderness experience. And, when, and, and that breeds influence because people want to connect to somebody that's been through something. It's hard, hard, hard to let somebody have influence over you when you've struggled throughout your life and you've had to fight to get where you're at. And 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 these, these guys had a silver spoon in, in his mouth since they was born. Now I'm not negating, you know, you can't, you, you don't control who you're born to. So you know, somebody might be born in wealth, somebody might be b- born in poverty. I'm just saying that it is a, it is a natural. Um, tendency for man to find it hard to connect and allow someone to influence their life if they don't feel like they've ever been through anything never had to work for anything but jesus so jesus said before i go into the ministry i gotta fight the devil because when i come off this mountain i'm coming off this mountain to begin it all i want the devil to know who i am i want everybody else to know who i am john the baptist just established who i was to his people the devil is going to know who i am when i come off this mountain and uh, and the Bible says after fighting the devil for forty days in the in the wilderness, he came down off that mountain in power. Now I want you to hear. I want you to hear the power of influence. What was the message of John the Baptist? John the Baptist stood in the in the middle of the river Jordan, baptizing people, saying, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." He baptized Jesus. Jesus fights the devil. He comes down off the mountain, and the Bible says he came down off that mountain in power preaching repent for the kingdom of heaven is nigh unto you so that the transfer of that influence was quick and it went straight from john the baptist right to jesus jesus then began to call his disciples he walked straight into the um to the tabernacle we talked about earlier found isaiah preached it went out into the to the crowd they wanted to kill him immediately but he, he, it wasn't time for him to die. So then he just begins to handpick uh, his people that would be his disciples. Um, and it's just incredible if you think about it. I've said it often before. We all know the greatest thing that Jesus ever did was die on the cross, a sinless uh, man, and, and come back from the dead for our sins. But the second most important and greatest thing he ever did was, in, was influence 12 men. He would he would speak in large masses in parables, but then he would come back and speak uh, to his disciples differently. In fact, listen to this. In, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 10, uh, he had just got through doing that. He had just got through speaking uh, in parables to the masses. And in verse 10 of chapter 13 of Matthew, 
the, the Bible says, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. In other words, he said, I understand. I, I don't love you any more than I love them, but I don't have the physical time or means to influence all of them the way I'm influencing you. And there's a purpose and an intention in why I'm influencing you. Because I understand how this works. I understand how leadership works. Everything rises and falls on leadership. I understand that if I want my kingdom to advance, if I want the message of the things that I did while I was here to continue to be passed on, I can't just do them and leave and expect everybody just to talk about it. I have got to influence you so that you don't, you know, you need to be able to get the mysteries. I'm going to break down the mysteries to you. And then I need you to break down the mysteries to them. These men, these men were not, uh, these men were not theologians. These men were just hardworking, regular people. In the in the natural, they were completely incompetent. They were unqualified for the mission. Yet they turned the world upside down. They turned the world upside down because Jesus influenced them. Now Jesus influenced them to leave everything they knew and willingly lay down their life for him. In a three-and-a-half-year investment into the, into the lives of 12 men, and we all know what happened to Judas, okay? But I'll tell you right now, that, that also teaches, don't you think Jesus knew what who Judas was and what he was doing? But he was still trying his best to influence even Judas. But over 2,000 years later, people are still talking about this man, Jesus because of a three-and-a-half-year investment in the lives of others. Now, the man Jesus, I want to tell you something about the man Jesus. It's just incredible. Because of the influence that he poured into those disciples, and then, of course, the, the Apostle Paul and, and others that came along, that was the early church fathers that wrote the letters that became the Word of God. Because of the disciples, I want to, we know about Jesus, but I want to tell you something about Jesus. The man Jesus... Never traveled any more than 200 miles from his home. He never traveled more than 200 miles from his home. As far as we know, he never actually owned a house. We know he didn't go to college. He was not educated by the world's best in the natural, yet he changed the world forever. He did it because he understood the power of influence. Now watch this. I want to ask you a question. Well, if he wasn't born a leader, as I said in the title of this, how did he become an influencer so fast and so quick? It's because his whole life had been geared towards that. He walked in honor. He walked in, he walked in humility. He walked in purpose. But he also uh, grew in favor. The, you remember the, the one story that we have about his life after his uh, birth and up to around two eight two years old, and when they fle- when they were fleeing uh, their protection to Egypt from not being killed with all the two and under being killed, the only other story we have in our in our Bible is when he was age twelve, and we know the famous story where they had gone to the temple. Joseph and Mary had taken him to the temple. And they got through, and they left, and they got to going down the road there in the caravan. They realized both of them, 
I like to say it like this. They had a home alone moment instead of going, Kevin. I mean, Mary was like, Jesus. <laughs> she was like, she's freaking out. She's like, okay, I thought you had him. He was like, no, I thought you had him. So they realized that Jesus had been left temple alone. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had to, I had to break the monotony there. Jesus was temple alone. You know, you get it? Home alone, temple alone, home alone, temple alone. <laughs> well, they got back to the temple, and they found him there, 12 years old, and the Bible said that he was asking questions of the priest out of respect, but he was also teaching the, res- the priest at age 12 because he's Jesus, okay? And the Bible says after that, it's just a simple statement. It says, and he grew, listen, he grew in favor with God and with man. So for 30 years, he was building a reputation from a humble place called Nazareth, which was considered to be a ghetto, but he carried himself. He, he, he built influence in the lives of others one-on-one. He didn't have mass influence, but he was one of those people that no one could say anything bad about. He had just served faithfully wherever he had been, waiting for the moment that all the years of humility and all the years of waiting would be released. And that's what he did. See, you can't be a leader without influence. And just because you have a title doesn't give you influence. And I think it's, I think it's really ironic that nowadays that when people get on social media and they get on all these different place platforms and even the platform that you're listening to right now, they will call themselves influencers. And, and I, and I'm thankful that we have the understanding of the word influence, but I'm going to tell you something. Number of followers on Instagram, number of subscribers on YouTube does not make you an influencer. A true influencer is a leader and a true leader pours his life into others. He's more concerned about helping others to be, to achieve greatness than he even is himself. If he only thinks about himself, he's not a true leader. And I guarantee you, if you only think of yourself and you never think of others, I guarantee nobody's following you. They may follow you out of, out of force uh, because they, they know you're their boss. And if you don't do what they say, uh, that you say that they will be fired. But that don't mean they're following you. Just because they do, just because somebody's doing what you tell them to do, do, does not mean they're following you and that you have influence with them. But Jesus was such a man of humility and such a man of honor and faithfulness that immediately he was able to earn the influence of his disciples. Now think about this is what I'm talking about. This sums it up here. Mark chapter ten verse forty five describes him. He says. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. See, that's the key to being a leader. That's the key to being an influencer, is that you care about others. Let me tell you something. Make no mistake about it. If you've made it to the end of this podcast, you need to hear this. (laughs) I absolutely believe that Jesus was born a leader. I mean, my goodness, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the one that spoke to nothing and nothing became something. 
In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. But I'm not talking about the kingdom influence and the kingdom leader that our God is. There's none is equal. There's no other God but him. But he chose to earn the influence that he had here on this earth. And if Jesus chose to earn the influence, put in the work, be faithful, show up, love people, pour into their lives, put others before himself. Now, how in the world do you think you could have influence and be a leader just because your daddy was a preacher, just because you were born into success, or just because you're a natural success that does not make you a leader? No one is born a leader, but everyone is born with the DNA and the potential to be a leader and the mandate from God to be a leader. God wants you to lead. And if there's ever been a time that we need leaders, it is now. So rise up, remnant. Rise up, leader. The world is calling and the world is waiting. Lead like Jesus. Earn and get ready for the moment that is upon you because it is here. It is here. It's time to step up. Know when it's your wedding in Cana. Know when it's time to launch your ministry. And I've got news for you. That time is now. Thank you for listening to the Rim the Leadership Podcast. Make sure you share this podcast. Give us a review. I'll see you next time. Keep your eyes open. Stay focused and rise up. <laughs>